edition of the Best Friends Fancast. It's thank you for being a fan. And that is thank you for being an Allison Rosen fan. So if anybody wants to be on a special episode and do a one-on-one where it's all about you and all about Allison, then hit me up, bffancast at gmail.com. Oh, my God. Can you hear that, Gardner? I heard, I heard him start up the engine. Yeah, yeah. Jesus it's, Christ. It, it's, it's fine now. It's, it's background noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I've had worse in the background. So uh, full disclosure – I don't know if you know where a lot of times I've recorded, I record in a shed, which is outside of my house, which is literally on the property line of my neighbors. So, uh, yeah, this is the one piece of noise that they have all week and it's on Saturday at two, which I forgot about. It's a gardening um, okay. thing show. <laughs> yes. I love uh, Allison everybody... and I also love, uh, my, my plants and my, my dirt and my soil. <laughs> If you like naps, tune into our gardening podcast. Yeah. Um, um, so let me get to our special guest. It is super fan Giovanni. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, hey, everybody. Do you like to be called Imaginary Giovanni Geo? Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Giovanni Geo doesn't matter. It's, I have this weird thing where I didn't, uh, I never use my name. So I was, my mom was uh, like horrifically injured as when she was a deep sea diver. She was the first woman at the uh, Deep Sea Divers Institute. Which oh, they made Jesus. that movie about Cuba Gooding Jr. as like the first black man who was there. It's in it's in Washington, and she was hit by a drunk driver when they're in like last month of school. And her friend Tony, who was driving, was also in school there, was killed instantly. And then she was rendered like infertile, so she was never gonna have kids. Doctors told her it's impossible. She had living boyfriends. Years went on, never had children, never had you know menstruation, nothing. And then out of nowhere, she started getting bigger, and she, she went to a doctor and was like, "Well, you must have a parasite, or you must have something wrong with you." And then, like, eight, I think it was like seven months in, eight months in, they tested her, like, oh, you're pregnant. And she's like, no, it's impossible. So it was too late for her to do anything about it, which she told me many times she would have. But when I was born, there was no name picked out. So they gave me family names, Giovanni. And then uh, a year into my life, my mom named me Peter because her uh, Maharaji guy she followed around, a de facto cult leader type, uh, said that would be a good name. But she never made it legal. So I went through my entire life as Peter up until I was 18. And then I was trying to get paid for one of my crappy jobs. And I turned over 18. They're like, oh, we have to put your legal name now. And I didn't get my paycheck because it was Giovanni. And then I had to start going by Giovanni at 18, even though it was always my name. It's this weird thing of no, no name really feels like my name at all now. That is, okay, there are many things to, un, un, <laughs> to unravel oh, yeah. here. That you're, okay, wow. That is a, a crazy story with your mom. Oh, but yeah. Also, but also having, not having, uh, being called one name and having to change it later that you said it exactly right. You don't feel like any name is your name because that must. Yeah, they be, told me at eighteen, so you well, weird. you can change it to Peter. It's like, well, I don't really care about Peter as my name anyway, so I'm going to make some statement and change my name to Peter. <laughs> but then there's a whole other problem. All my school records, elementary records, everything is under Peter, who doesn't exist. And so, oh the, my god, yeah, yeah, no, that made, made me huge problems in my life. It's like it's, I was so lucky to get the job I currently have because just nothing can be added up, and it's all it's all innocent because my mom just didn't know what to do, and she was kind of stupid about these things, and she didn't think ahead. <laughs> But uh, people think it's nefarious, so it's really hard to, like, I applied, when my job was outsourced last time, I applied, like, 300 jobs, couldn't get any of them, and now it looks like in September I might be get, losing my gig again. It's like, oh, shit, I can't even get a job in fast food. Oh, my God. So, Giovanni is such a cool name. I know. I mean. I, I didn't have it for it, any but, of the years I needed it. Like, if I had it, right? I had it all the way before 18, all those years, maybe some point it would have been great. Instead, it was, oh, here's a name book in second grade. Peter, oh, like a rock. Fat like a rock. No, I'm pretty sure it means oh. you're, you're strong. No, no, fat like a rock. No, no, I'm pretty sure if you're like a rock, you're like a thing, or you're unbreakable. No, no, I can't interpret it that way. Can't do that. Oh, Dumb name my gosh. books. So, I hate them. I, okay, so let's talk about where did you come from? What's your, I mean, 
I want to know more about your mom's story too, and like all of this other stuff with the Maharaji and 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 the cult stuff. And man, cult like it's just one of those ones where you give them money Sorry, and you don't have to go anywhere, or you go like once a year and you ser- be of service and like operate tents uh, for all the other okay. people who come to. I don't know, man. Oh it's my weird. gosh! But the fact that she was told she couldn't have kids, and then you were just sort of like a miracle baby. Yeah, the weirdest just... part about that is she met my dad. And he like tried to eat her French fries in Portland, Oregon. I guess this must have been 83? Yeah, because I was born in November, so it was 80, early 83. And she didn't know him, she didn't like him, and then he like hit on her, they went on some dates, she wasn't interested, slept together, didn't like each other much. He was a virgin, so I'm like reverse Jesus. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> she, she kept getting bigger, she had no idea what it was, they told her it was cancer, or a ball of mucus was my favorite, parasites. Oh my <laughs> uh, and then they finally did a pregnancy test, because they just were convinced she couldn't be pregnant, because they had all the medical history, which was impossible. And then after so that, she went, back to, she went back to normal. To That's the weird part. Fries? She went back to normal menstruation and stuff after I was born. It was like... Uh, no way. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing in the world. And nobody... Like, there should so be, like, medical tr- textbooks on it, but nobody knows about it, I guess. She drove herself home from a C-section uh, the next day with what? me, like, with me hanging off her tit naked, yeah. Because oh, uh, she didn't have any family or anything, so there was nobody there. There's no money, no insurance. Oh, okay. So, first of all, your dad's big move, move to throw on... On steel French fries, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. My favorite one of his moves, though, is he showed up at the uh, delivery room, and he couldn't hang out with her. Instead, he wanted to put on an episode of Kung Fu. And at the time, <laughs> like my whole life, I'm like, okay, he's a big fan of the show Kung Fu. All right, I get it. I love my shows. I mean, I wouldn't do that to a woman if I got her pregnant and then didn't help her, and then had my parents say that she must have been lying this whole time because she told him one story, and then this oh, happened, God. and she was two years older than him, but they're both in their 20s. Like, she was 25, he's 23 or something. Or she was 26, and he was 27, and she, he was 25. So, it's you know, at that point, your parents should not be interfering in your adult relationships if you're a 25-year-old virgin. Uh, so he shows up to watch Kung Fu in the hospital. I found out Kung Fu went off the air like eight years earlier. It's fu- it's in reruns. It's like deep reruns. He had the chance to watch that episode like 30 times. So I, my, a, a, a Kung Fu rerun is more important than my son meeting his – or my dad oh, meeting his son. my God. Do you have a relationship with this man now? Uh, I met or him did first. You? I met him when I was five. After that, he came out, and then he threw a fit and jumped up and down, saying my mom ruined his life uh, again because oh. his business partner stole all their money. They made a film, and they had like two million bucks, and they're at the Cannes Film Festival. And I guess his business partner's dad was a judge, and his business partner was like doing some blow on the side or something. And his dad warned oh. him, so he fled to Europe, and he now makes movies like Lake Placid Two. So like, if you see any movie, it's like an, uh, an American movie title, but there's a sequel on it, and it looks super low budge and like it's straight to DVD. Uh, it's probably made by Philip Roth, this guy that my dad made movies with, and he stole all the money. Now his kids like direct movies in Europe, and he like escaped his uh, <laughs> his American justice. And my dad, uh, wow. my dad lives like as a poor guy refurbishing electronics and refuses to have a boss and has his own share of hangups. Okay, so you just need to have your own show. I mean, I, 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 I want to watch. Drew's podcast. I want to watch your life. <laughs> Anytime I talk about this stuff, people get really weird. I had my dad on my podcast finally to like prove to people because for years I talk about it, and he confirmed every single thing about my <laughs> life. And then uh, the, some guy complained. He's like, "You kept saying dad too much. You're a piece of shit. Your dad tried really hard. You said dad like a crackhead on the show too much." So I, I talked to my dad once for an interview for like three hours, and then some guy wrote in and told me I said dad too much. I'm not. I'm not even allowed to have that. <laughs> Was the name of the ep- episode uh, "He Ate My Mom's French Fries"? Or I just no, no, I know. God, it, it was a clever one. I've, I've since deleted it, but you're, you're right on the nose with that. I had something in there that uh, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so let's go back to where are you from? I'm from Kirkland, Washington, born in Seattle. 
Oh. Uh, my mom moved around a bunch when I was a little kid. And then by the time I was five, I was in Kirkland, and I was there until I was 22. Okay, so that's... Okay, I'm. I mean, I'm drawn to the Pacific Northwest, but some would say I do hate rain, so I, it might not be a matchup for me. But um, so, where do you live now? I am now in Post Falls, Idaho, but it's a long story. My job uh, was outsourced in '05. I worked for an airline, and uh, I couldn't have any options to move, so I was like, "All right, I'm just going to try to find a job here." The economy is already starting to get kind of crappy. There weren't any real gigs. It was the same situation I'm in now, where it's like, "Oh, can't explain anything." I'm going to look for fast food jobs. I was only two years into my job at the time. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just uh, basically had nothing, sold all my stock options, did unemployment for a few months, and then went to Hawaii to get my job back because I still had an office there. But when I got there, they told me no more Howleys in the office, which is illegal. You can't say that. But it, oh. it means foreigner, but they only use it for white people. They just didn't want it anymore. So they said that, and they wouldn't let me in. So for two year, for a year, 17 months, I was in Hawaii, uh, Honolulu, trying to get my job back that I was legally required to have that they told me I had, and I moved there to, to work in. And then I just lived off credit cards, and my life was terrible. Then finally they said i go to Chicago, so I went to Chicago in 08, and I was there for six years on foot having to rebuild my life, so I show up with like board shorts and t-shirts. I got nothing left, all my stuff's gone from all the moves, and uh, job, you know, is what it is. I think at the time we reduced pay to like five bucks an hour because we were in bankruptcy, so by the time I get the job back in 08, it's like you know, eight bucks an hour or something. And then I just kept it since then. I moved to Texas in 2014, so I could work from home, so I don't have to be in that office anymore because I'm just sick of it. One night I was in the office and a supervisor there was like, Giovanni, come here, you're Italian. Rub my Italian horn medallion, this really nice lady. She's like, it's my lucky charm. You'll have better luck. You know, life doesn't have to be this hard. You can forget about Hawaii and the, the company being racist. You don't have to think about that anymore. I was like, okay. I rub her medallion. I go and get a soda. Fifteen minutes later, the ceiling collapses above her desk and ruins <gasps> it. And there's like black mold and stuff in there. It was, it was nasty. So I go to uh, Houston for two years, uh, work from home, and then I want to get back to Kirkland, but they won't let me live in Washington because they don't pay the same if you work from home. So they pay me five bucks less than everybody else in that office. Technically, I have to pay them five dollars an hour to work from home. So Washington doesn't let that shit fly. So Post Falls, Idaho, was the closest town to the border that I could live in and try to get close to home. Wow. So then you made it back to Idaho or... Well, that's where I am now. I'm in Post Falls, Idaho. Okay, I'm on the so border of, of Washington State, but I'm four hours away from my hometown, and I never get to see it. It's almost, like, it's almost worse than being five-hour flight away. Yes, yes. So I've never been to Idaho, but it's definitely a place that I've heard that if I like Washington and if I like Oregon, that's where I should move. Because I don't... I want to move. I want to make a big move at some point in my life. Just have a, a life experience. And Idaho is definitely on the list of those, but... Slightly less rain here. Same same topography. It's basically the same thing. It's like Where I'm at, it's uh, the upper panhandle, so it's close to Canada. It's close to Washington. So it's kind of the sweet spot. Uh, but the problem is there's lots of racists. The place was founded uh, by Germans, so I guess there's some weird right. stuff built into it that I didn't know about. Uh, there's, there's xenophobic. If you go look at like Idaho, like any beautiful lake or anything on Instagram, all the comments are, it's polluted, toxic waste. It's not here. You can't find it. Go away. We hate you. Oh. Like I've, I've literally only found one lake since I've been here for two years. People won't tell you where stuff is. If you try to look, you can GPS it, but then you don't find like the right place to go. Like there's a place for tourists and locals and there's a place for, it's just, they don't want people here. It, oh. they make, make it very painfully clear. Washington does that too, but in a different way and kind of a more social way where the people don't engage with you they actually they have a whole name for it in washington i forget what it's called but if you're gonna move i'd probably say washington state because there's no state tax which does mm. mean something eventually uh the rain's not as bad as you think depending on what part of the state you're in and there's so many different uh, types of communities and like ways of thinking it's it's not uh you, you can you can find your 
Good group of people. So my I go once a year usually to North Bend. Uh, to oh, I love North Bend, area. Twin Falls. Yeah, so that area is just amazing. And not only am I a huge Twin Peaks fan, and that's the, what drew, what brought me there, but I've been. Have you been to back. Twin Falls? I have not. I've it's been right, to the it's si- one exit off North Bend. It's exit thirty-two, or no? It's it's, 20, it's right up there. You, you'll find it right next to a Christmas tree farm. You pull in. Really? Yeah, you used to be able to walk up. There's a waterfall. It's been washed out by mud for the past few years. But some of the most amazing hiking you'll ever do, it's right there in North Bend. It's just one of the ways to look at the waterfalls. There's this beautiful like bridge that goes over the water that people always want to get married on and stuff. Oh, that's uh, amazing. It's, it's amazing. So that's we have a friend up in uh, Vancouver, uh, Washington, and he mm-hmm. was he has all of these hikes and places that he wants to take us. And so that's what we've been do we're planning on doing. All of them. Okay. Because he's like, we know, I know all these back places we can go, you know, go go fishing, go There's so many panning, kinds whatever of places. it is. And, like, if you don't like that part of it, like, you're like I, I love the hiking, but I want to be in this mountain. You can go across the water and across the peninsula. There's all, there's Port Angeles. And out in Port Angeles, they have their own mountains. Uh, I have a friend out there who's a dentist, and he has, like, he lives on a lake. He's got a private practice that overlooks the lake. It's this beautiful little town you get to by ferry. It's uh, almost like untouched, and then there's these beautiful mountains, and like half the year wow. you're snowboarding down, and the other half you're taking pictures with your family while you hike. It's uh, there's so like basically Washington has all all the climates you can imagine all across the state at different times, and, and it, it's, I you it's know not, it's not what you think it is. Explored the islands as much. I went. I stayed in Palsbo for one night, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. And then I hear about all the other little islands out there. The San Juan Islands I mean, are incredible. Uh, I, I went to camp there once. I only went to camp once. Uh, my mom bounced the check, of course. Uh, it was oh. Camp Orkila. Oh, no. uh, it was on one of the Orcas Islands. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I can only imagine as an adult going there and being able to set up a tent and not have to be like just be able to have an experience. There, there is just the freedom that place allows is incredible, and I never took advantage of it as a young person. I didn't have money, and I didn't know how to do these things. I had friends who did this kind of stuff. And now as an adult, all I want to do is go back there and take my of dogs course. and try to experience some of this stuff. That would be amazing. So do you, are you married, kids? What's no, your... No, I'm uh, single. Uh, long so free. single. I, free I, I, I haven't been on a date since 2014. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I went on two dates when I moved to Texas. Both the women weren't what they described in their profile, but I wasn't going to be rude, so I went on mm. more dates with them. And then I think they ended up being annoyed by me. I was like, oh, wow, all right. All right, you have an extra 120 pounds in your profile, and I didn't say a word oh, about geez. it. And I took, you on, I took you on multiple dates, and uh, I'm, I'm the loser. All right, I mean, I'll go watch Gone Baby Gone with somebody else. Yeah, I'll go watch a rerun of Kung Fu, no problem. I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I, then I moved in 2017, and it's just been me and my dogs, and I, I have no free time. I work on Loveline all day. I do free jobs for a billion other people. I work from home, and then... The dogs bark and demand me to feed them, wash them, move them, pick them up. <laughs> so uh, what? So what is it that you do? I just work for an airline customer service department. So oh, I work in okay. reservations for the longest time, and then I switch departments. It's just over the phone. So all these jobs that you never needed a call center to begin with, and there's no, the only reason we had those things is because people didn't trust employees to actually do their jobs, uh, or at least since you know the, the mid '90s, since you had telephones and modems at home, you didn't need to be in an office to do this kind of stuff. And now it's so now you're again. able to just stay home and work, and it's no problem. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think the internet connection it uses, I think it uses less than like a 56k modem in terms of actual packets it's delivering. So there's really no point in it. It's just it's just a stupid little client that communicates with a computer in their data center. Uh, it's uh, I'm happy to have it. I'm so lucky to have a job right now. I feel like everybody else who is losing their jobs. I feel for all these people. I just. Right. I, 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 my whole life, I felt like I'm going to be homeless and dead on the street just because I grew up in such poverty. And so, to me, this is like the ultimate terrifying thing. More than any disease or virus, it's 
being on the street and losing everything that you worked hard to get. And like, I just finally got to my life at this point where it's like, wow, I have enough to pay for my dogs and I can buy food and I have a few bucks left over after all my bills. I'm almost at the point where I start like having a savings account or being an adult and all this oh stuff happens. And I, I think Look all these other you. people who, who are like further behind me or further ahead and this, this whole thing has just ruined everything for everybody. Oh, yeah. So what is your connection to podcasts? Like, how did you get into listening to podcasts? When, well, it's all, where, it's all, it's all Loveline. Uh, Loveline, back in 96, the MTV show premiered. And I remember it was a huge snowstorm in Washington. We, occasionally, we have these great snowstorms. And I was walking through a field in my FUBU jeans, which hadn't been washed yet, so they were <laughs> bleeding in the snow. I remember just distinctly oh my, my, my yes. footprints were leaving deep blue, like my carpenter <laughs> FUBU jeans with the boot cut were just leaving these dark blue stains. And uh, I was walking to like Blockbuster Video with my buddies, and uh, we had nothing to do. It was like I think it was a I don't know what night it was. It was the night MTV Loveline premiered, and then we went over to like some girl's house, and I watched that episode where they were like huffing gas in the closet. I was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep watching this. I don't need to huff gas. It doesn't sound very fun. And then I just kept watching Loveline, and then I found out it was a radio show, and I was like, what, what's this? And I, I started loving the show, and then I found out online like around '98, fans started putting episodes online, MP3s. Uh, but you know, these are fans that were smart enough or old enough. It just, it was, it was a nexus of events to be able to record a show and create an MP3 out of it and put it on the internet. And that was beyond me at the time. I'd get rid of my cassette technology. Like I'd, I'd sick of cassettes. I only had CDs. Didn't even have a, I had like shitty radio, nothing to record on. So to me, it was just, I didn't even think of it. I was just like, all right, some people are putting some files online. I'm going to collect these. And then, of course, Napster popped up and all these early uh, Natella clients, however you pronounce it. Uh, Audio Galaxy was my favorite. It was this web-based one. Had this little client around the corner, and they had the most episodes of Loveline, and then I'd restock it. And all these places would have different amounts, so I'd collect them all. And then there was these private FTPs and these fan sites and all these things that started developing. And basically the first podcast I was exposed to were fan-made Loveline recordings. And they were, they were podcasts before there were podcasts. And so much so that the audio settings these dumb fans picked were the same exact settings that all these early podcasts used, 64K joint stereo, 64K mono. And these were, that's not like an industry standard. The only reason people got these numbers were from Loveline. This was before Stern was even archived online by fans. So Loveline was this unique show, unlike anything else, that these fans were trading around on Napster before people were even trading around Howard Stern recordings or anything that you think would be much more popular. And then throughout uh, the early 2000s, when podcasting actually became a thing, was invented, that's right when my job was outsourced, was 05. So I remember I was looking at the back of Battlestar Galactica Season 2, Part 1 and Part 2, because they divided them in half, and I had just enough money <laughs> to buy one half of it, and oh. I had no TV. All right, I had TV, I had no cable, my internet was gone, my job was outsourced, everything was over. I couldn't even start my computer, I had to repair it, but I didn't have money to buy the parts. And so I was like, which, which one should I buy? Should I buy the second half that's going to have the finale that's going to be more engaging? Or should I buy the first half that's going to tell me more of the story? I haven't seen season one. I have no idea what's happening. And on the back it said, Battlestar Galactica Podcast. And that's the first time I ever saw the word. Whoa. I was in a Fred Meyer in uh, Seattle, Washington. Actually, it was in Kent. It was that, in Kent, Washington. Wow. Yeah, because I moved, I moved to Kent for my job, and then they outsourced it immediately. And I was like, what is this podcast thing? It's like, is this commentary? So I love commentary tracks. I'm like, they call us a new thing. I'm like, oh, this must be that they, when the show's airing, they release these on Apple for people to listen, you know, the same week it comes out. So it's the same thing as a commentary. It's just giving it to you a different way. And now they've collected them and put them on this DVD set. And then uh, from there, <clears throat> Adam started his morning show. Adam Carolla started his morning show in 2006. And they started mm-hmm. a podcast uh, immediately with the, the morning show. But they weren't doing it right. They were putting out only select episodes. And they weren't putting out the whole show. So I started, I started getting upset about it. And I was like, ah, I have nothing I can do. 
And then in 2007, I moved to Hawaii, and I started downloading every single episode onto my PlayStation 3. It had a Linux mode, so I'd turn it on and use it as a computer. I was so desperate at the time, and I'd save every episode. It came out in 12 files. They were actually, like, number one on iTunes back in 2006. People don't know this. Uh, and people don't count it. They're like, well, that's a radio show. And it's like, well, if radio shows don't count. Then nothing NPR has ever done podcast counts. And people go, well, that's not. That's not. And it's like, well, hey, there you go, buddy. You can't say radio doesn't count. And it was on iTunes charts. And so uh, 2007, I'm listening, I'm listening. And then 2008, I make my first call into the show because I want them to book a guest and I want them to fix their podcast. And then it kind of started all from there. And that's when I was dubbed Superfan Giovanni by the original news girl, uh, Teresa Strasser. Wow. So you are like ground, like ground roots first. I mean, to see the word podcast for the first time on the back of something, not understanding what it is to where you are now is kind of crazy. Well, I was, I was never you know, and... a Mac guy, so I didn't, I didn't have an iPod. I got my first iPod from Teresa in 2008. She was such no a way. great person. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. All the news gals are amazing human beings. I can confirm that. Yes. So I, I have kind of, I mean, well, actually I not all. There, to... there's, a, there's, a, there's one we don't talk about. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, I mean, Corolla, I started listening to him when he took over for Stern, and then I was a huge fan of Teresa's, of course. And then, you know, of course, obviously, that progressed into the pot and his was the first podcast I ever listened to. Cause I was just like, this is what I need in my life. I, I need talking. I want to hear it uncensored talking. And this is like, it spoke to me on so many levels that it was amazing. Yeah. So when 2006, uh, okay. what did you think of the Corolla show? I was a huge fan. Well, first of all, I was a huge fan of Stern. So then when it changed over, it was a little tough because I was just like, okay, this guy's just trying to be Howard Stern and uh, with, with Danny Bonaducci and uh, was that, it that was 07. That, that's a, that's a cast change up. That's even, that's oof. right. So when that changed and I was like, this show is trying too hard. I hated it. I was like, I can't, I'll still listen. Cause I liked KLSX. I liked listening to all of the, sh- the shows that were on that talk radio channel. So like I'd start the day with that. But then when he had the foresight to change things over, I was like, now he's got something here. And then I was hooked and I was obsessed. And I was like, I am a super fan. <laughs> it, it's funny because I was a huge Stern fan. I, I guess I still am. I, I don't have any problem with them, I guess. But I was listening every day to Stern. And what they would do in Seattle is when they started syndicating in like 02, they would air the show live from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. But the Stern show didn't just run those hours. It would go longer than that. So we would cut off the end of Robin's News, my favorite part. And then oh. it would start the show back up at 6 a.m. on a replay and then play the full show, which is just like, what? But that's how they did things. So you, at 3 a.m., I would listen to the Stern show live until they would cut it off at 6. And then I'd fall asleep and listen to the rest of it and like wake up. It was crazy. But I had here Stern <laughs> and I had I, it, was, it was before podcasting. So I, I would do yeah. this all the time, and I was, I was so gung-ho to go to Sirius. I was, I was on board, and I don't know what it was, just something in that last six months. I was like, nah, I don't care. I guess maybe it was before my job was outsourced because he went on in 05 or it was 06. I guess it was 06. Uh, so yeah, it was, my job, it was, my job was outsourced. Yeah. It must have been that. So I just I, I had bigger problems, so I just didn't ever got a serious radio. So I, he just lost me. And then what I was doing originally when he moved is I would pull up my old shitty Sprint flip phone, and I would read Mark's Friggin', which is a real-time blog this fan writes – uh, I hope they pay him something now. And it's just basically a recap of every conversation on the Stern show. And I, I remember looking at it on my flip phone, and I would read this tiny little text to read what happened. It's like, he's got a news wow. team? What's this about? Howard 101 News? And like, I've been trying to like understand. Like They're talking about these characters, and I don't know who they are because I've never heard the show. So I'm just trying to imagine what the show is reading the transcript of the show every day. I did that for like a year. <laughs> oh it was so depressing. 
So I listened oh, to Stern. So I even bought I bought stock in Sirius. I was like, this is going to be the thing. This is like the next thing for the time. <laughs> and I don't know if it ever did anything because I, I, I don't know. But I. I and we got the boom. Like you go check XM your stock history. It's like, oh, my stock was worth a million dollars for two weeks. I should I probably check because I just kind of forgot about it. Really, yeah. <laughs> there's probably some period of time where it was worth a fortune and you missed it. I think you're right. It probably was like a, a one weekend <laughs> that I could yeah, use that it's money. Like, oh, I should have cashed out. Yeah, so it's like you I, bought a lottery ticket and lost it. Exactly. Like, I never buy I lottery tickets. How did I lose it? I just found it yesterday. Um, yeah, I. So I was like a. I was such a huge Howard Stern fan. We had the boom boxes that we bought, the like special XM ones. We had one. Yeah, I remember. Like, I remember. The the, the, eventually, they put out like the switchblade. I remember hearing about that. Like, maybe I can get one of these switchblades. Yes. And then we had, you know, in the car. And then that was right. So I had kids, and my first son was, sorry, my first kid was born in 2005. That's when I was still listening to Stern in the house and still trying to make it work. But as soon as they started getting older, I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. I need to find some other way. And that's how podcasts kind of started becoming like a thing and, you know, having an iPod. And, and I just, I got rid of Stern, which the same as you. I think I'm still a fan, but I just don't listen. <laughs> I have nothing yeah, wrong I, with I them, hear but... things about him like now editing his back catalog. You got this woman involved who like is an image consultant or something of some kind and has him like now deleting stuff from his archive, which is kind of sad because it's like, oh, this is what happens when you let somebody control their own archive. Eventually, they're they're going to change how they feel or think, and they're going to try to censor what they once said. E- even out of like the best intentions, it's still it's censoring art. So it's like, I'm sorry, right. I used the gay voice, Howard Stern, but that you did. But you put it in your movie too. <laughs> Let's just yes. listen to it or accept it. And that's that's one of the things that bugs me too. I remember the E Show. I could have sworn there's an episode with The Rock. There, there's multiples, but like, the first time he came on, they didn't like him. I went to Mark's Frig, and it's not there. I downloaded the episode; it's not there. So I must be going crazy. But I could have sworn he told a story that his dad was a football player. He was in a nightclub once, and a girl insulted his dad, and he punched her in the face. Oh! And if that came, if that's real, and The Rock punched a girl in the face in a nightclub, if that actually came out, he probably would lose his career at this point because you can't do that. But probably. I, I, I don't know if it's been deleted from the internet or what, but it's it's not there. I remember watching my buddy's house, and I was like, I've seen this one before. Yeah, he, this Rock guy says he punched a woman in the face. He sucks. That's why I based never being a fan of The Rock on this thing that may not have ever happened. Maybe it's somebody else who looked like The Rock. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was a wrestler. I'm pretty sure it was The Rock. It was on the E show. And there's like, there's another one of those things uh, that movie Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, There was actress Zoe McClellan. It looks like Zoe, but it's Zoe. She was by. She's from Washington. And she's on that movie and she accidentally hit uh, Jeremy Irons with a. uh, a staff and like a staff fighting scene. So he grabs it from her and slaps her across the face in what? front of the entire cast and crew. Oh. And people are like, Jeremy Irons is so great. The latest season of Watchmen. It's like, he slaps women. What are you doing? Wow. It is funny how you can't get away with that. I mean, it's not funny, but that you can't get away with that stuff anymore. And that usually it is our there, There's some funny how? element to it in like, fuck right. those guys. I'm glad they can't get away with it. But the, 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 the funniness, like, oh, I can't with absurdity somebody could ever do that. Yes, that is what it is. Where it's like it's funny that that just was an accepted part of life and society. Like that is just so normal. And now looking back on it, it's like really because it drives me insane. I don't do just... any of that stuff, like catcalling all stuff that are considered like yeah. part of society. It's like in a million fucking years would I ever tell a woman to smile? Like who the fuck? Uh, like, I don't understand. Like it's like oh well, you're just you're, you don't have big dick energy or you're ugly or you're this or that. It's like, it's like no 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 no. I would never have treated anybody this way in my life. It, I just don't. It's not in me. Like I, I, I grew up on movies and TV. They teach you empathy for other people. I, I just never would do those things. 
and growing up as a woman that had all of those things done to them, it's like you just accept it and then you realize, wow, why am I accepting that? But it is hard to switch your brain over into that's not right <laughs> to be treated no, that no, way. None of it is. It, it's, it's totally not right. right. It, it, oh, it, it, it drives me insane. So when Teresa was leaving uh, the Corolla show, I was heartbroken. I was in you love with dirt? her. Yes. <laughs> Lay on some dirt. <laughs> Let's do a timeline. Okay, so in 06, okay. they start the morning show. You were not a fan initially. I hated it. I was so upset. I happened to be, I forgot that the morning show was starting. I happened to be at this all night party event. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't even drinking, but I had to drive home. And I was driving home at like 5 something a.m. from North Bend, actually, which is the weirdest place where everybody else wow. was doing things that, <laughs> that uh, usually falls on tops of mountains. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what they're into, and I was I was like, hanging out with the guy's dog, and I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And uh, I left, and then the show started playing, and as my timing chain was failing in my uh, 240SX I bought, because my car was destroyed, uh, it was a horrible story, but, and so I was driving home, like, oh my god, is this timing chain going to make it? And then the show started, and the first voice was Dave Damashek, and he's a very yep. distinct accent, I've never heard of yes. him before. He apparently worked on the man show, but he wasn't on camera guy, so we weren't familiar with him. And what Kimmel tried to do, and Adam tried to do with Kimmel and all this stuff, is launch this cast and crew of whack pack and characters and producers of people they knew. But as an audience member, I didn't know who the fuck these people are. I just wanted Adam to talk. I didn't even think about what the show would be. I'm like, I guess Adam's going to talk for four hours, and nobody else is going to be on it. I never thought of that news girl sports guy. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I don't want this. And the first news girl was Rachel Perry, who I knew from her uh, VH1 morning show thing. She would do like, like I, it was a morning grind. They had some stupid name, but it wasn't like a, a dance workout show. It was just music videos in the morning at 5 a.m. And she would host it. And I, I remember watching before work every day because I'd, I'd have a 16-hour days to when I started my job because I'd have to take a bus three and a half hours each direction for a $7-an-hour job. It was pathetic. But uh, I was so happy to do it. I'd wake up every morning, and she'd be playing, like, uh, Maya's uh, My Ass is Like Whoa or something. I'd put it on really loud to get myself up because I was so tired. And I, I remember her from that. And I was like, oh, she, she seems like a nice lady. Uh, she, you know, she's a model and stuff, and she's an actress. And on the show, she wasn't ever paying attention. So it seemed like she wasn't interested mm -hmm. in being there. She went to New York for some things she had to do, and she was broadcasting remotely, and she actually fell asleep and started snoring, and they all noticed. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she, she just she was like she really angry about everything. She wasn't funny. She wasn't she was never trying to like be game or anything. It was just a weird thing. Like, so you guys hired a really beautiful woman who's a presenter who doesn't like comedy. That's kind of what exciting. they did. And she just, <laughs> she, she, she got uh, cast in a time tunnel reboot pilot, and she went to film it. They still let her have her job. They weren't mean to her at all. And then she just no showed because I think she thought the pilot was going to go. She didn't need the stupid radio show anymore, so she just never came back. Oh. And they never were mean to her or did anything bad about it. They just let her have her job. It was crazy. I was like, wow, this is shocking. So they started doing on-air tryouts, and they had Claudia DeFalco was the one who was all, the de facto one who was going to get it. She was really good. Teresa came in. Teresa was the heir apparent. It was like, Teresa has to have the job. She's the best. She uh, kind of was willing to, I don't know, it was just something about Teresa. All the, all the women would have been great. Uh, I would have been fine with Claudia DeFalco or any other one she was up against, but Teresa got the job, and I, I think she should have got it. I was rooting for her. And she had the job all the way through 2007 when Bonaducci was installed as a cast member and all the producers were jettisoned. And then Bonaducci told lies most of the year. Uh, like one time he said he crashed his bike and then he called on the side of the road and had a homeless guy confirm it. Uh, oh. But then when Adam was leaving the building that day, he went past the stucco near Danny's motorcycle and there was a bloody gash. So apparently Danny ran in and shoved his arm into the stucco wall to lie about a motorcycle accident because he woke up late instead of just being late. Oh my gosh. Fantastic story. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> a, 
And I actually liked him on the show. I was like, I was buying into it because I'm an idiot, I guess. I was in Hawaii. I was like, well, it's better than nothing. He's not so terrible. But I, Adam was just miserable the whole time. And then he did a sick out at the end of the year. He didn't show up for his last show or the live shows. And he wouldn't come. He wouldn't answer the phone to anybody. And Kimmel had to walk to his house and be like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, listen, I, I can't do the show with Danny. It's two lead guitarists. He wants to be in control. I, I, it's my show. He has to do his own thing. So Danny got his own show. And then Adam came back. And it was Teresa, Brian, and Adam for 2008. And then the first couple months of 2009. And then the station flipped formats. And uh, there was no more talk radio in Los Angeles on that station. That's right. And so that's when it became a podcast, right? Yeah. I, Adam found out two months ahead of time, or about a month and a half, and his staff were like, what are we doing for March Madness, boss? And he was like, ah, don't worry about it. And then <laughs> he couldn't tell them. And they're like, no, come on, we got to come up. Let's go to Playboy Mansion. He's like, yeah, we'll figure out whatever. We'll talk about it later. And then I found out about two weeks in advance, because I was so deeply into the show, I, I'd called like 18 times. I, I didn't want to call a lot, so I'd only call like once a month or twice a month at most. But uh, you know, there's a lot more frequent callers than me, but I was super fan Giovanni, and I always have a good call. I'd call in for some good reason, and most of them were pretty entertaining, or we told a story, or I'd talk about the podcast and how they need to change the bit rate, or they need to promote this guy behind the scenes because he was doing right by Adam's fans. And the problem with KLSX is everyone on staff hated Adam, and they hated everybody that worked mm. for Adam. Uh, Jack Silver, who was ran the station, who was, yes. uh, he, he's, the, he's the embodiment of telling a woman to smile. Totally. Like, oh my gosh. He, he, yes. Yeah, like there's, there's multiple pictures of him on the internet with that beer costume with the uh, poor here where it's near his dick. Uh, where he's <laughs> wearing the, the keg costume. That's, that's the guy he is. And he, he, more cooch talk, as we told Teresa. He kept a pair of binoculars in his office to spy on women exiting the oh. gym across the street. Oh my God. <laughs> Nobody on staff thinks this is disgusting. No, nobody on staff wow. is object to. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I know the people who I know who his assistant was. He's a really nice guy. He's a great podcaster in his own right. And his assistant told me all the dirt and I, you know some of the stuff we can talk about. And I, I can just vaguely say it on air. And people, you know, who who cares at this point? But he, they all thought that they were getting the man show, the radio show. So they thought it was going to be uh, Jimmy and Adam somehow, which I don't believe yes. there's contracts in place. But they paid Jimmy a million dollars to produce it. And they're like, oh, and then we just get Adam Carolla. It's like, what the fuck? What do you mean just Adam Carolla? Screw you. But they, they <laughs> wouldn't buy peanut butter for the station. They hated Adam. They wanted the show to fail. And they had a guy on staff named Death Dog who was blogging. He was the guy they were paying to be like their, uh, their actual show blogger. And he would go on the message board as Death Dog and talk about how the show was failing and everybody hates everyone on staff. And it was just terrible. But meanwhile, their ratings, they were number one in Seattle, number one in Vegas. And like they were, they were great across the country. It just nobody cared about any of that stuff. It was only about Los Angeles. And the problem with Los Angeles is the Arbitron diaries were flawed. People would just write down what their favorite show was, and they, that's how they did it. There were still people writing down Stern or stuff until they probably got kicked off by Arbitron. And the whole other thing that happened is they, they did those people movers, which essentially are these little devices people carry, and then it picks up whatever radio you hear ambiently. But because they wanted to have good ratings, KLSX put the tone, the me in the background as loud as they possibly could. So when you listen to their radio station or their podcast from 2008 onwards, you hear me in the background because they wanted the people meter to hear the tone. And I picked up on it and I told them, they're Whoa. like, yeah, nobody else has noticed. Can you not say anything? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, well, I, wow. what's the point of hearing a radio show if they're putting this annoying tone in it just to have <laughs> ratings? Like, it doesn't even make sense at this Like, their tails up, heads up their ass and all this shit. So they hated Adam. Everybody hated Adam. Mike Chaffee, who was uh, just an intern there, really nice guy, fresh out of college. He Adam goes, hey, I want you to help me do this podcast thing because nobody knew how to do it. And Adam's buddy Donnie, his life childhood friend, teenage friend, they weren't friends when they were really young, he came in and goes, hey, Adam, you should do a podcast. But the problem was Adam was already doing a podcast for three years, and I discussed it on air with him ten different times. And it was number one on iTunes. 
But it was a great story for Donnie, who just lost his job as an editor, to be like, oh, local boys make good, start podcast network. So Adam went along with the narrative that Donnie said, hey, why don't you make a podcast? And the problem was KLSX would present their numbers like, here's your digital streaming numbers for the month, Adam. They wouldn't say, here's your podcast downloads, even though that's what they were. And so I was really upset about it. I'm like, stop saying that. Donnie didn't tell you about a podcast. It didn't happen. In the future, you may not want this narrative. I was literally saying that. And this is 2009 as the podcast hasn't even started yet. I helped Chaffee for a week behind the scenes. We figure out how we're going to launch it. They're trying to go really small scale. I'm like, no, there's going to be 250,000 minimum downloads. You're going to need a bigger boat. And I'm coming up with like crazy ideas. Like, let's do a media fire link as soon as it expires because it's been downloaded. Minutes, we'll do a new one. And we'll do a new one. And we'll do a new one. Like, I'm thinking of ways that are free that we can do this because it's going to be expensive. And I was right about everything. Podcast launched 250,000 downloads, and it's millions. Then they have to start deleting episodes because they can't afford the bandwidth. Then it's like 20 grand a month, 10 to 20 grand a month of bandwidth from all these different services they have to use. And they don't know what the hell they're doing. And the podcast is great from the start, but Donnie's in the background. He, he's recording it off of a MacBook. He has no idea what the fuck he's doing. And the show changed podcasts forever. And then they had Teresa on there every Tuesday with Brian, who's the sound effects guy. Brian was just diagnosed with a brain tumor and given six months to live at this point. And so everything's falling apart. He's just newly married to his wife, Christy. He, everything was going good for him. And he's going to give a death sentence. And that's how the podcast starts. And so every Tuesday, Brian and Teresa would come on to try to recreate the radio show format. And they would do like two segments, uh, two different episodes, and they'd split them up. And then eventually, after 325 episodes, they switched over and tried to do the old Adam Carolla show radio show format. And Teresa was there every single day with Brian, who now was on a new treatment. And 10 years later, he's fine. They have a daughter. Their life's great. He takes a Vastin. It was a breakthrough therapy. He didn't die. His doctor was wrong. Awesome. He wrote a book, New York Times bestseller. Brian's great. Teresa does roughly 80 episodes of the show total. And then she's out. Wow. And no it's like, way. Yeah, so on the radio show, there were 715 episodes of the radio show, and she came on the first year after about 100 plus. So she did about, six, she did about 600 episodes of the radio show. Okay. And then about 80 episodes of the podcast. Then maybe about two dozen of those non-standard ones. So let's say she's done about 700 episodes altogether. And nobody knew really why she was out because they just brought in Angie, the producer from the radio show who took over, who's this woman who's really great. She's a great radio producer. And they brought her in because Donnie didn't really know what he was doing. And so Mike Lynch and uh, Angie come in. Mike Lynch is the writer who's the original sound effects guy. He writes all M's books with him. They're co- you know, co-authors. And then Mike Dawson is the sound effects, or the, uh, the, vo- the voiceover guy. He comes in. They, so they bring back all the radio show cast and crew that was still there in 2008. And I guess it wasn't gelling well with Donnie. He was like on a power trip. And Teresa contacts me out of the blue. And she's like, Donnie is not a good person. Do not trust Donnie. Do not do it. Like, so at that time, I was trusting with everything. I was like, he's Adam's best friend. He's not going to go anywhere. So I was giving him all my ideas. I was helping him out. I was saving his ass every chance we got. I created a podcast DVD set. They sold it. They made 200, 300 Gs. Uh, they didn't pay me. Adam was like, why aren't you paying him? And then finally, they paid me like two grand. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Adam was not happy about it. And uh, it was, it was I, mean, I didn't care at all. But then they blamed me for it. Then Donnie started saying the things I said on the internet. Like if I said fuck you to somebody five years prior or if a fake account posed as me. I was like, what is he talking about? Turns out he was talking about the comment section on their website. You can post there as Giovanni or you could at the time. Anybody <laughs> could do that. You just write Giovanni oh as your name. It, they didn't even have a, 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 a login in place. Like there's a whole bunch of different services now that do comment sections. They had them then too. They just hadn't enabled them. So it was just WordPress comments. I was like, I didn't write any of this shit. And then he's like blaming me for it. He's like, yeah, you have to be severed from the network. You can't be involved in Adam's world. Only Adam's allowed to say these things. You haven't earned it. You don't have free speech. Literally those are quotes. Whoa. After Teresa warned me wow. and after Teresa bailed. 
So I can only, and then by the scenes, he, he made hell for Teresa. He made her, didn't pay them. He didn't pay anybody anything. And uh, he, made, he drove her off. And then he drove off producer Angie. He drove off every, every woman who worked there. And so I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's, that's shitty. I guess I'm severed from the network. Then I was back in, and then Donnie tried to do it again to me. I was like, oh, wow, this is not going to stop because we did a live show, and I picked everybody up at the airport and I had hot Starbucks ready for everybody. But I Donnie remember hearing that. <laughs> Donnie got banned from the live shows because he was fucking up. So after that live show, I dropped everybody off at the airport in Seattle. My girlfriend, Katie, I guess a year and a half of the time, my longest girlfriend ever, she's waiting in the shitty Red Roof Inn that gave me a staff infection that I paid for myself. Oh. As as I drop them off in the airport, I get back in. I'm like I'm like skipping in the hallway. I'm like my girlfriend's here. You know, I did this great thing with this great live show. I didn't get paid. I lost a bunch of money, but it was fun. And Donnie calls me. You're severed from the network in the hallway. We can't have you working for us at all anymore. You're you're terrible. You did this on the internet. I was like I didn't even do that. She's like at least give me the things I actually did. <laughs> That's not something I did. And uh, then I told Adam or something. And somehow in the meantime, Donnie got severed completely. And then when Donnie uh, decided that he wasn't going to work with Mike August anymore, and he did this ultimate power trip. Because Donnie, his cousin, uh, their wives had this thing where they were the core four. That's what they call themselves. Adam wasn't part of the core four. And they were essentially trying to make Adam's podcast company their podcast company and Adam just a component because they didn't want Adam to have the power. But I was trying to explain the whole time. Adam has an agent. He's a Hollywood figure. You can't come in and take 50% or 10% even. His agent does that. You don't get to do that. Like, you can't go like, oh, you've been a celebrity for 20 years. Now we're going to come in and get our cut. It's not how it works. And they, they just didn't understand that. And so they were always cornering Adams. Like, every time I'd be there out for a live show or appear on the episode, because I did five episodes or six episodes of the show, uh, they'd be trying to corner him in the studio and try to talk to him about money and shit and, like, contracts. He was like, he didn't want to do it. And he was miserable. And you could see it on his face. And they were, just, they were constantly doing it. It's like, for over a period of years. And so Adam's like, listen, you can't be in charge anymore. Mike August has a business degree. He's going to run the company. You're still going to be involved. You'll get your percentages, all that stuff. They were still going to give him 10% of every live show, even though he didn't go on them. And he told him to fuck off. And he said, fuck August. He wouldn't even have a drink with him or meet with him. And then he uh, sued Adam immediately. And he called me up and told me he was going to do it. Told me Adam's a terrible person. Uh, Adam's garbage. That uh, I would never get anywhere with them. Blah, blah, blah. And I should get away from Adam. He's an evil, evil person. For like 30 minutes. And then I pick up the phone. And I'm like, all right, uh, hey, see you guys in Chicago. And I went down to the Park West. And Adam and Mike August are in the green room. I'm like, hey, Adam, Donnie's going to sue you. And here's what he told me about you. <laughs> Wow. And they're all ears for 30 fucking minutes. Well, I tell him exactly what Donnie's plan is, how he's going to fuck him. And uh, as I was like, Donnie, so his, Donnie's mom was Adam's real estate agent. He, Adam made That's her right. a millionaire by giving him her Kimmel and all these other people. She became a millionaire because of Adam Carolla. And like Donnie was just a piece of garbage, it turns out. And he wanted, and Lynette eventually came on my podcast and she told all these beans, she spilled all these beans and told these stories so we can talk about them. I eventually deleted the episode because I just don't want to get her in trouble. You know, 10,000 people heard it. I, I, I deleted most of my episodes for a reason, uh, just because they were out there a certain time, and maybe they're not the best things now for this era. But uh, she told me all the stuff about the courtroom. All of Donnie's family showed up, uh, their friends except for Ray and Chris. Everybody else showed up. They were looking at Adam, like shaking their heads, judging him, like in the worst possible position Adam would be in, just no support. Everybody's done all these things for in life, just gave him the dirtiest looks. And he was just miserable. And then Adam actually called me from the deposition day. And I was in my car. I was like, what is this? And he's like, he's, like, he's terrible. He's like, he's lying his ass off up there on the stand. He's like, can you find me this clip? Can you find me that? I'm like, yeah, here you go. I'm like, 2006, 2007, here's where we talked about podcasts. 2008, where we talked about, here's where it was on your show. And then I found the old podcast producer of the, of the radio station. And he had an old Mac. And he was able to turn it on after 15 years. And he found screenshots of iTunes from 2006. Holy Adam shit. Carolla show, number one on iTunes. And the court wow. didn't even... They didn't even recognize that. They didn't even use it. And I was like, well, what about Donnie? At the time, Donnie got caught masturbating. 
he was beating off at work and Mike Lynch walked in on him, that's a sex crime. That alone nullifies employment. They wouldn't use that either, even though that would have probably gotten Donnie in a lot of trouble and void his lawsuit. So I'm assuming Donnie and them got a couple mil and then they walked and then uh, Mark Arago stepped in to help everything out and is now a friend of Adam. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So with Teresa leaving, I was so sad that she was leaving because, you know, oh, me whenever too. I was a, a there for the conversation. I was, at the, I was out there in the studio when they went, when they had to go, we're going to have to replace Teresa. And they looked over at me. I'm like, I'm not going to say shit. What are you, I don't, I understand. She's not doing the show anymore. I was like, you want me to tell you what Teresa told me? <laughs> like, I already knew that was going on. <laughs> and so I, I was there from that initial conversation. They were going to do it. I was, I, I was heartbroken. I had to witness it from every angle. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then when they started testing out new some new uh women to be on the show and I th- I thought, okay. And I think Allison was the the only one that I thought this is the only one that resonates. She was the with last one and-, and she had the least amount of appearances to to be voted in. Yes, and I was like she's never going to make it because I want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just not going to work out because I think she's the best and she's the one I want to listen to. Um but then it ended I think they up even being... had Claudia DeFalco from the radio show come try it again, which breaks my heart. So it's like oh. five years later. Yeah, so yeah. I, and she was pretty good, too. And then there was a couple other women I won't name because one of them has a story about them. Like, one was like a model and one was in Playboy, I think. And Donnie, one time we were there, he was like, I was out there again. He was like, yeah, you know what she fucking did, man? I was like, what? And he was like, she went to her parking lot. And she got in her car and she changed. She tried to show me her pussy. She tried to make me what? vote for her by showing me her pussy. She thinks I'm going to fucking fall for that like I'm a fucking loser. And I was like, whoa, dude, calm down. And I like, like, maybe she was changing her car. And he was adamant and convinced that one of the women was flashing her vagina to him in order to get the job. And I said, wow. maybe she's a model or something and she's used to changing places and she has another job and she's just trying to be ready for the show. And maybe you shouldn't have been looking out there at that time and maybe it's not anything like that. And Donnie, you know, his name was the Weeze, the Sex Weasel. So it's not, he's got to, like, I don't have his relationship to, you know, he's probably bagged hundreds of women. So he has this weird thing that comes coming out of him, like this weird misogyny. Like, he has a story of, like, slamming a pie in his ex's face. He put it on a car bumper and he let her down the street so he could purposely pie her in the face. I don't, that, that's oh not God. me. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have that in me. I don't know where that comes from. But I remember that and I was like, oh shit, well, she's not getting the job. And then Allison came on and was like, oh my God, she's amazing. So I had a vote, but I'm sure my vote counted for like a half vote. I'm like, it has to be Allison. I told Mike Lynch. I told Adam. I told Donnie. Donnie's like, Allison? Really? She, her? She's, and like, he just, he didn't get it. And Donnie was against it. So. Really? Yeah. Donnie didn't want Allison. Mike Lynch did. Adam was convinced. She was the funniest and the best. She earned it. Totally. So after the unfortunate, you know, thing happened where she's fired and they're, they're parted ways. I my biggest thing was the fact that you're still a fan of Allison and I wanted to kind of because I think that's says a lot about your character and I wanted to know your origin story with Allison so now she's part of that show now what's your story with becoming a fan of her show. Well, I, I was listening to her on the show, so as soon as she was going to do her podcast, I checked it out. At the time, like Ustream days, I had no idea it existed, although I was following other podcasts doing Stick Cam and Ustream. There's a couple of shows. So in my brain, I feel like I saw a tile that said Allison Rosen is your new best friend 2010-ish, maybe, on Ustream, but I never click on it. And I was like, that's a weird title. Uh, so that's my only thing I think of. I thought of her before she was on Corolla. And she, she did the uh, tryouts, I think it was in 2011 or 2010. Was it, she started in 2011. Her first show was in 2011, I believe. And 
I, I was initially, I thought she was great. I was a really good person on the show. And then I started contacting her. And I was like, oh, okay, she's cool. And uh, she, you know, they're all different people. Teresa's Teresa, Allison's Allison, Gina's Gina. And not in the way Adam says it, where you're saying the person's an asshole. <laughs> where you say, oh, Brian's Brian. That, that's right. code for that person. Yes. That. No, yes. yeah, they're just very, yes. they're different. Like, you'd be like, oh, well, they're, they're all, I guess, Jewish women. And they're white. And they're the same age range-ish. And like I guess there's similarities there, but like it, it's all topical stuff. They're very different people, and they have very different stuff. But then you like like Daniel. They both have a Daniel fiance. They met on the show and we get married to. Like there's was weird coincidences, but they're not the same people. And I developed my own unique relationship with Allison. Where I, I met her a couple times. I met her at uh, one of the holiday parties with my girlfriend. And then I told her one of the guys on the internet who warned her about showing stuff in her apartment wasn't a creep. He's actually a cop from. Canada, and he's warning her to protect her. And he wasn't warning her because he's a creepy guy. He was trying to save her from creepy guys. And I think Daniel was there. I met him. And then just kept communicating with her via email about stuff. And she listened to Corolla Classics, which started in 2013. After all my years doing Love Line, Norm Pattis put me in charge of their their version of the podcast of Classic Love Line. They started in 2013. They didn't pay me because they were paying Anderson, and he had a wife and a budding family and stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll just do all this work for free. And she listened. It was like, oh, that's so cool. Allison listens to this show. And then I got my sidebar blog that I did for the website. Uh, I still do. Uh, she, she read that too, which is basically a recap, basically a Mark's friggin' of Corolla. Uh, in real time, and she would like recap. She'd read it to like like check her own performance and stuff, which is weird. And then I feel like, oh no, I don't want her to feel bad if I don't put something <laughs> in here. But I had to be honest about the show, and she was always really good. And then in 2014, I felt like there was a weird distance growing, so I told her to take Adam out to dinner, like Teresa did. There's a famous story where Teresa took Adam out to dinner, and uh, then Ed, Adam announced that nobody leaves with their leftovers; he gets to keep them. And Teresa thought he was serious, so then yes. they left with her her fiance's pork chop. Which yeah. then were in the, the fridge, and the next morning, Lynette thought she was eating Adam's pork chop, and she was eating Daniel's pork chop. <laughs> and uh, so Adam's wife ate some other guy's food. And I was like, do you have to do this? And she didn't do it. And like, it's weird, because they'd never gone out and done that, and they never had the relationship. And Allison was always adamant that Adam didn't want that with his staff. But he says that, but he would have one dinner would have made a, a big deal. And I could I tell someone was growing, growing. And in hindsight, I know exactly what happened. She was gaslit out of a job, and he was gaslit, and they, they both don't know it, and there's no way to explain it in, in post. I've tried to tell Allison. She kind of gets it now. But like the, the mm. bug thing, uh, the artwork. They had to put a Corolla Digital or Podcast One artwork bug on, the, on, the, on her art, and she had paid somebody to make her artwork, and she didn't want Gary with what she assumed were his limited Photoshop skills, although he used to make fake IDs, so he might be good, uh, <laughs> putting a bug on her artwork. But Adam walked up behind Gary as he's having this communication with her. I was like, what's going on? He's like, Allison doesn't want the bug on her artwork. It's like, no, no, no. Allison doesn't want sloppy, unprofessional work making her artwork ugly. She has no problem being associated with the network. But Adam hears she doesn't want to be associated with your network or you. Right. Yes. So there you go. That's fucking. That'd be a, if you're somebody's boss, it's like well, I'm that. I'm that gross. Like you can't even do that. And like all podcast networks mandate a bug now, so it's not even an option. But it was just like that's completely like that. That's right there. It's like oh, that's Adam's mom rejecting him again. That's Adam. That's everything. That's. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's, that's exactly the wrong thing to have happen. And Gary doesn't know that he just did that. He's not trying to, he loves Allison. He's not trying to fuck Allison over. But they're just not aware of that. They're not cognizant of what was just communicated. And I got on that. I was like, no, no, no. I tried to save that one. Couldn't save it. And there was a series of other just miscommunications. And it was just left to believe that Allison didn't like him. And that wasn't the case at all. And I'm so glad that it ended up and she left because she's she's grown so much. And the podcast has grown so much. And it had to. And it had to evolve. But right. it did also didn't have to happen at all. It wasn't a thing. Right. It was, it was, it's literally something that developed in 2014 and then ended in 2014, and it had nothing to do with that. Right. It was such an unfortunate thing that really, like you said, it just didn't need to happen. And 
and once again, I was so heart, heartbroken with the change and I, I hate change like most people do. And then when, and like you said, her, I think it did boost her show to flourish and her, she was able to take it to some other level. Adam used I, the two guitarists, two lead guitarist analogy, used with Bonaducci for Allison. And I was all the times like, yeah, right, okay, you're just getting rid of her. But Allison does need her own thing. She is. She, right. She is and I think like, he she helped her get co-host. to where she where she was, I think he was like a good platform for her. And then she just, hundred percent. Yeah. She built, she built everything. She was able to take what she already had and amplify it using his platform and then also make his show. Great. She did over a thousand episodes. She has more than Teresa. It's a Gina, Allison, Teresa in terms of episode order. Who's done the most. Allison has these legendary shows. He's still playing on Cruel Classics every week. Adam listens to Cruel Classics. He listens to all episodes with her. Uh, it's just cool for her to come on the show. Everybody's fine with it. And I'm like, she she'd be a great guest. It's, it would be amazing thinks. one day to have some sort of like come together. Like, hey, oh, it can happen anytime. That was some shit. Chris, Chris will book <laughs> yeah. her in a heartbeat. Adam will have her on. She's totally welcome. It's it's all just whoever feels comfortable doing what and when. I mean, like Greg Fitzsimmons, for example, they were talking about doing childish loin fruit for two years, right? And I'm just hearing about this. I'm like, God damn it, just do this fucking podcast already. Yeah. And I was like, what are they not saying? Oh, and then I realized, oh, Greg Fitzsimmons thinks Adam will be mad. So then in 2016, mm. I'm driving them to uh, that famous Texas barbecue. What the hell is that play? Franklin's. And I'm, I'm a lifelong vegetarian due to a, drowning and dying as an infant, a long story. But So I'm watching them eat this like delicious barbecue, and I'm craving it, but I can't eat it. And uh, the whole time, I'm like, I was like, oh, hey, Adam, if Allison did a show with Greg, would you care? I was like, no, great. We can do a show. I was like, yeah, they're talking about doing a podcast forever. But I think Greg thinks that you'll ban him from the show if they do a show. He's like, I don't care what he does. He's like, how is Allison? I was like, oh, she just gave birth to the first child. You know, I was telling all the updates. I'm like, you know, all this stuff's going on. And they were just like listening, interested. It was just cool. Everybody's happy about it. And nobody cared. And then it was communicated to Greg that nobody cared. And then they started Childish. And Greg can promote it on the Corolla show. He still doesn't do that, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's funny how many how many podcasts I started listening to because of Corolla, like with Dana Gould or Larry Miller or Greg Fitzsimmons. Like I started listening even Dave Damashek's podcast. Like I listened to all of those because oh, yeah. of Corolla, um, and of course Allison. And then uh, so you were a listener of Allison's show. Were you a big fan of like the original Thursday Gang and like all all of the little things? Were you like oh my favorite Thursday Gang is Jenna and Al. Yeah, but I, I, have I to like agree. I like the, I like the evolution. I like the guys. I love the, the cruel digital guys do the water cooler, which is basically the Thursday show without Allison. So it's, yeah. it's like that's a compromise. And then the Thursday show without those guys was a compromise for a while. But there, there's things I like about all of them, so I'll, I'll keep listening to them. And I, I you know the only person I, I ever didn't uh, I had a problem with was Jeff Fox. Really? Yeah, because I, I think he hates me. I don't know why. Uh, uh, he was. They 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 hmm. gave me a newsletter job at Corolla Digital, like a fake job that doesn't pay. When I was one of the original interns, because I launched the podcast with them, but they couldn't give me credit for anything because they had to make up lies for Donnie. And uh, Jeff Fox was there, and so was Katie uh, Blaster Girl, who was on the Dave Damashek, uh, Dave's of Thunder, and uh, also Logan Moy, who is Chris Loxamana's brother's best friend. Which is weird. They're like Chris is now the producer of the Corolla Show, so there's like this weird. We always joke about there being this Asian mafia of podcast producers because Chris's cousin is Chin, who does Fighter and the Kid. <laughs> and there's this kind of, there's, there's a little <laughs> bit of truth to it, but there's this young group of people who have all these different jobs, and they're all out there. And uh, I got this internship job, and I was supposed to write a newsletter. And I was like, all right, I, I don't really want to do it, but I'll do it. I just whatever will help. I think newsletters are stupid, and I think people don't care. Now they finally have their newsletter. Eight years later, they're finally doing it again, or ten years later. And Michael Nairn was doing a cartoon forever. He's the guy that does. He, he, he did these David Letterman animations from old David Letterman stories. 
which they played on Letterman, and then he did it for Stern, and then he did it for Loveline, and he's the guy that invented taking found audio and making cartoons out of it as a fan and not being paid, and now everybody does on the internet, you know, Smodcast. Every show you can think of has cartoons animated out of it. Even uh, Ricky Gervais, they did an HBO show out of that. Michael Naren is the guy who invented that. And he was doing these little uh, Sunday morning cartoons for every uh, newsletter, and we were writing about the staff in there, and one of them was Jeff Fox, who called himself the 40-year-old intern as a joke. And he didn't have a nickname. So we put the 40-year-old intern in there. And according to Donnie, Jeff lost it, came in there, almost hit him, screaming about how I need to be fired and severed from the network for calling him the 40-year-old intern and what a piece of shit I was. And uh, Donnie was, according to Jeff, that never happened. Uh, He didn't yell or have a fit about it. Uh, But he was never nice to me, never seemed to like me, always seemed to resent me, and uh, always gave me the cold shoulder. And I was always trying to be super nice to him. And then I found out uh, the one-year car cast, the show he produced for Corolla, made $140,000. He billed for $141,000 in overtime. Oh. Yeah. And I was, wow. I, was like, I was like, wait a minute. I've made them like five hundred grand, and they paid me two k. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, what? You you don't even do a real wow. job, buddy. So I, I didn't. I, I don't. I don't know what his deal was. I always try to be super nice to him. I always liked him. I think it was that four year old intern thing, which I didn't. I never would have thought anybody would be offended by. It was his own line, and he just never liked me after that. So every time I'd hear him on Allison show, I'd be like, oh, this guy hates me. It make me feel really bad. And then I bring up to Allison, because... and Allison never address it. So you know it's true. Yeah. Well, because that was like I, I, when the Bobo Boys left, I was like heartbroken, and then. With the new Thursday Gang era, it was once again like another even better thing that came out of it with Jenna and Al and Greg. And Jeff is part of that. So if that's one of your favorite parts, it's really hard probably for you to hear him on. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's knowing like, oh, every time this guy talks, he doesn't like me over misunderstand. I didn't do anything. And then I was oh, like, then I, then I started getting mad about him. I'm like, wait, fuck that guy. Like he did it. He did basically my dream life and he treated me like trash. I don't know. Bums me out. Still bums that's me out. Too this day. Bad. That's too bad. That's really too bad to hear because I could never get a good read on him. I've only met him a few times and just my interactions with him are pretty sparse. He might be but awesome. He might be awesome. He may hate me because of this one he misunderstanding. He seems awesome, but I, yeah. don't, I can't get a good read on him based on some of his reactions to things. And I, I don't know if he has a temper. It's so hard for me to get a read on anything from him. But uh, I'm just used to there's always at least one person or several people who don't want me to be somewhere and make me feel very unwelcome. Whether you know from kindergarten onward, it never stops. It, like the Safeway, so I remember the Safeway grocery store to trying to buy my mom's tampons at age five in the oh, Safeway grocery store God. line. And adult men would tell me to get out of line with my parents. And then Neil, who I still remember, this very large, tall man, was maybe he was like six foot one or something. At the time. I was a kid, so I have <laughs> who knows. He, he would always be like, no, no, he shops on his own, get out of his way. And like it just, I, I still have that. So for me, when every time somebody's like, "I don't want you," I'm like, "All right, I don't want to be here." Right, you're extra sensitive to it because of what you've gone yeah. through. Dawson did it to yeah. me once. We read uh, they had a Fits in the Tantrums concert at Corolla's Malibu House for Children's Charity LA. So they do all this kind of stuff that nobody ever talks about. And they had a uh, Blues Traveler, Fits in the Tantrums, and a, a couple of Susanna Hoffs. It was an amazing, cool day. I went there. I brought my girlfriend at the time, who was a listener. And uh, Mike Dawson was a little loaded, and uh, there was a, uh-huh. an intern, Mike Altier, there, who I mixed up with uh, Lynette's uh, nephew, because they had a similar look, and I met the nephew before, but I hadn't met Mike before, and I apologized to him, like, oh, hey, I said, I said nice to see you again, I was confused with them, I'm so sorry about that. And Mike Dawson was like 10 feet away with the sound mixer board, and he looks over, and he freaks out on Mike Altier, but I'm also there, and I was just like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to be here anymore, and it just ruined the whole entire day for me, and then Dawson apologized, everything's fine, but... 
It's just it's like that whole like fits and fits and tangents are playing. I'm just staring ten thousand yards ahead. And then when the guy walked off stage, I tried to tell him it was a good show, and he just walked past me. He's like, "You didn't watch my show, asshole." Oh, he didn't say that, but that's that's the, that's the vibe I got. I was right. like, Oh wow, he fits the, the tantrums hates me now too. <laughs> and my girlfriend's mad at me because I'm all weird and like despondent. Aww. So you are a Patreon subscriber, right? Of Allison's? That, oh yeah, day one. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, this guy I need to talk to because for someone to be a super fan of, of Adam Carolla and you're supporting Allison monetarily, I, in Carolla's words, you're a true mensch. I think that's really nice. I think that's really cool. I Nothing think actually that's... happened. They don't hate each other. Adam was led to believe she didn't like him over politics, which right. wasn't a thing. And then Allison didn't know what was happening, and then she was framed as not like him. And then afterward, all the fans went crazy, and then Adam had to address it, and then Jeff Fox left. And it was like, did Jeff leave because of Allison, or is he using it as right. a smokescreen so he can be a Captain Savaho? Is he like, is he trying to like be cool? And he, like, what's this about? Or is this about the 150 grand he overbilled? He doesn't like Adam anymore? I, I don't know. There's some, there was some sort of turmoil behind the scenes there. Just everybody, people want to have jobs. They all got medical insurance after that and dental. So there's clearly some, something going on there where people were not happy. But it wasn't Allison, right. it wasn't Adam. And Adam never hated her, and I don't think she ever hated him. She did say something recently that bummed me out. I was like, oh, it broke my heart. She's like, well, I had a former boss who would say really controversial things on air and more controversial things off air. And it, it left the implication that, that Adam like, says the N-word. But that's, that, oh, that's not. Oh, yes. That's not, that's not true, though. And she knows it's not. Like, that's not I don't think it's what she was implying. Adam's not a racist. And, uh, he doesn't do any of that stuff. Like, I wouldn't be around him if he was. I've been around him privately. I would know if he did that. I, I have seen him do stuff where he like, checks out a chick or something, which I don't even do. But it, that, that's not, you know, that, there's, there's a big difference between that and somebody who's like, actually a racist. Her phrasing of it led, would lead people to believe that actually behind the scenes he hates people when he doesn't hate anybody. And I think she was trying to say more that he'll say crazier shit off air. Which maybe maybe is true, right. but it's not it's not uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily uh, mean spirited or hateful. He's not not that kind of guy. He doesn't hate black people or Mexicans or anybody else. And he's uniquely feminist in this weird way, where there's a bunch of people who are actually like feminist scholars who went to school, and they'll talk about how Adam is the most feminist podcaster there is, and how he treats his daughter and doesn't give her limitations, and she's like it's it, what they say about it is true. He and all the women he hires and employs, and it's just he gets his rap, and it'll never go away. Right. Well, I think it's awesome that you support her on Patreon, that you're still a fan of hers. And uh, so I heard that you, I don't know if you're one of the first ones, but maybe you're just one of the people that adopted a dog by by listening to her show when she was doing the adopted dog segments at the end. And I wanted to hear about that. Yeah, I, I don't know how many, I think there's three. I'm, I've, I've seen like two of them, but I don't know who got, who's when. I just know Rufus was the dog they were talking about forever. And they kept talking about this Rufus, Rufus, Rufus at the Downey Animal Shelter. And he's on his last days. He doesn't have any time left. And I kept hearing, I'm like, nobody's going to fucking do anything. And I had my first dog at the time. I got my first dog when I was 30. I want a Mastiff for my whole life since Turner and Hooch, a French Mastiff. But they're like three grand. And I couldn't just, I don't have that money. I couldn't justify spending that money on a dog when there's always ones in need. I was like on the toilet one night looking through my phone. And like, uh, I was, geez, what year was this? Must be 2014. And uh, I, was, I pull up uh, some dog listing for an uh, English Mastiff named Mac. And I was going to name my dog MacGyver. I'm like, oh, this is my dog. I have to buy this dog. Oh, Fuck it. I'll just buy a dog. I don't care. <laughs> I'm in an apartment. They don't allow dogs. I don't give a shit. I hate this apartment. Fuck it. I'm going to buy this dog. Whatever happens, happens. I'm doing it. I'm 30. I'm going to have a dog. 
So I got him. Uh, he's great. I love him. Uh, he's passed away really shortly. Uh, he's only lived four years. It was sad. But it, about a year after I had him, I heard about this Rufus thing. I'm like, oh, shit, I can't get another dog. Brock's not or Mac's not going to like this other dog. It's not going to work. This other dog's going to be mean. And I was like, I have to do it. So my mom owed me like 500 bucks. I'm like, here, I'll cash out all the debt you owe me. You fly on passes to L.A. You pick up this dog, drive, fly him back to me. We're, we're good. She saw the pictures. Like, I have to fucking do it, too. So she had to do it. She went out there. Like, she rented, like, a BMW SUV. <laughs> and she showed up at the shelter, and his face was all torn open. And they said it was king cancer, but they put him in Gen Pop, and he got a fight because he is uh, that type of dog. He doesn't uh, he doesn't play well <laughs> like with, with dogs that are trying to fight him. Otherwise, he's really nice. And uh, she shows up in Texas in the middle of the night, like 1 in the morning. This skinny little dog, I guess he was 44 pounds. Uh, he's part cane corso, so he's part mastiff, so he should not be 44 pounds. He's just like this ball of energy out of this crate, and he's just sad, and I just hold him the whole time, get him home. Immediately starts trying to fight Mac, and we have to put him inside of a, I put him in like a kennel, and then he's walking the kennel across the tile floors, across the carpet floors. <laughs> like he's like moving from inside, that is crazy. And it was like uh, four days of hell. I'm right now, so I'm like, I made the biggest mistake in my life. I don't know what I did. I'm stupid. Uh, he put a hole in my palm that I still have. Like, like it looks like his tooth print. You can actually see like the lines of his broken tooth inside my palm. And there's like a center point where it goes all the way in. Scarred my nose, my chin, my head. I I, I can't I can't be a movie star now. <laughs> uh, he just <laughs> tore me apart. And uh, since then he's been a delight. He's the you know I love the little dude. He just had some challenging couple of years in there. Something happened to him. Uh, Laura thinks he had a family at one point because he's super well trained. But uh, he's just he's just crazy. He's like the weirdest dog in the world. He's just. Is like a person and a dog, and not the way people say. More like if like an asshole isn't a dog, but <laughs> a, a lovable asshole. <laughs> lovable asshole. Well, I think that's really cool. Like it's a cool story that you heard it on Allison's show, and then going through all that trouble to come and rescue him and give him the rest of his life back to him <laughs> that he was. Yeah, well, they, thought, they thought he was ten at the time or nine, and so now he would be like uh, 13, 14. But he's barely getting gray around his mouth. It just started to happen. Maybe mm. he's 10 now. Maybe they're wrong about his age. I, it's hard to tell. But he jumps up on his hind legs, walks on his hind legs, punches me. Uh, the other day, I, like two months ago or so, I learned that he, if you just tell him, get in the bathtub, he'll get in the bathtub. So after two oh. and a half years of picking him up, fighting him, putting him on leashes, taking him to like dog grooming places, putting him on every kind of metal sled, everything imaginable, clawing my face off, all I had to do was go, get in the tub. And he just gets in the bathtub and sat there. And then I just oh bathed him, God. and nothing happened. He didn't even fight me. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, Where, where'd this come from? Are there other things you know how to do? I just haven't asked you. Rob this bank yes. for me, dude. <laughs> just start randomly asking him to do things and see what comes out. I want to marry that lady. You make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Go get me a date. Um, Be Hitch. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Turner and Hitch. I like it. Um, <laughs> so is there anything else about you being a fan of Allison you want to talk about or did I mean did I miss anything I do want to talk a little bit about your pod you know your podcast and you can plug all that stuff but I I don't know if there's anything more Allison related that you wanted to to mention there was a Ralph Garman episode she did uh, that really bummed me out Ralph Garman was Adam's longtime buddy or you know they were in the improv class together they weren't childhood friends or anything they lived together when Adam and Jimmy left uh, Kevin Bean, they go, Ralph, you have to take Jimmy's spot on Kevin Bean. He's like, I don't want to. I'm an actor. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I don't want to. And they begged him. They gave him that job. He did it for you know, 15, 20 years or whatever. It was the biggest, best job he ever had, the longest running job he ever had. It, was, it gave him his career. It's how he met Kevin Smith. Uh, Adam gets a pilot from 
uh, what's this, telepictures, and they want him to do like some stupid like TMZ-style show. And he's like, all right, whatever, and he's trying to think of what it would be. And then Kevin Smith contacts him. He's like, hey, did you get the telepictures get a hold of you? He's like, yeah, they want me to do a show. He's like, well, they want me to do a show too. Let's put our shows together. And Adam's like, all right, sure. And then uh, Kevin books him for this thing called Pod Damn It, which was Kevin Smith's 2010 super early pothead idea for a pot 24-hour podcast festival. It just wasn't planned out well, including not having anybody booked. So they never actually booked Adam for this. And so I'm contacting behind the scenes like, hey, Adam's not booked for this. It's going to be bad. Can, can we make sure they stop advertising Adam because he's not booked for this? we got to book Adam for this. Nobody does anything. Kevin gets super butthurt because Adam knows shows, but he was never booked or invited. He had no idea. Uh, so then he comes up with this thing that Adam uh, says bad things about gay people and got in trouble with Glad. It's like, well, no, Kevin, you made Chase a gay, but you got in trouble with Glad. You got in, Adam didn't get in trouble with Glad. What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I'm just, my brother's gay, and I really love gay people. It was like this really super lame smokescreen. And then he put Ralph Garman on the pilot, and he stole Adam's pilot from Adam. So Kevin's pilot and Adam's pilot became Kevin's pilot with Ralph, and then Kevin took uh, all the money. So I don't know if he got five hundred grand or a million, but Adam's five hundred grand disappeared. Whoa! And then they had wow. Kevin Smith on the podcast for two and a half hours to talk this out because Adam's like, "Oh, sure, we'll talk it out." I'm, I'm upset with the guy; he stole five hundred thousand dollars from me. And then Allison, who and Brian, who's a huge Kevin Smith fan, both want to take Kevin's side. And then Kevin's like, "You're just taking Adam's side." And then Alan's like, "No, I'm not." I, but it, but he was he was like devolving in front of them. He just couldn't tell the truth. It was of course he got pissed off because he didn't just come to your event. Fuck him! You're not gonna have him do his pilot with him. But that was that was all made up. That was shit you made up, Kevin. And so Ralph Garman comes on Allison's show and he goes, "Yeah, I haven't spoken to Adam in years. Uh, I don't really like him anymore because of that." Uh, Adam didn't really do anything. And then uh, he goes, yeah, he came up to me. He's trying to tell me all about a Steve McQueen collection, how he loves Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen's cars and Steve McQueen. Adam hates Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen beat women. He's a terrible person. Adam talks about how everybody likes Steve McQueen's a poser and all the stuff about him that people like is for posers because he didn't actually do anything. Adam accidentally started collecting Paul Newman race cars because he likes uh, uh, Nissan Datsun. And so that's how it happened. It wasn't, it wasn't even by intent and so if he did talk to ralph at some event or a funeral or whatever and he mentioned his paul newman collection that may have came up but ralph was like he came up he's like let me tell you about my steve mcqueen stuff and it's like well ralph how can we believe he did that if you got that all that wrong yeah really that's adam he comes up let me tell you about my fame my, ra- my race cars uh, i don't i don't think that happened ralph so that, 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 that's the only thing i think of that bummed me it's like when i know stuff isn't possible i hear it and that's the only right. times i can think of on the show there's really been no, no period of Allison show I dislike. I love the episodes of Daniel when they were getting super deep into Westworld, then it became Daniel's spinoff show, and like she was doing the Saturday episodes, and she was like, maybe this is too much. I liked all that stuff. I listened to everything. Uh, I still think about her interview with uh, What's-His-Face from uh, Entourage talking about Fat Sal's. I don't even know if that's even a place anymore. Jerry, uh, What's-His-Face, the uh, fucking turtle. Why can't I remember I, that I, Allison had turtle on like right after the separation, and he yes. came on and did a great interview. yes. I still think about it. I think about his That's famous right. sandwich restaurant, which I don't even know if he still has that sandwich restaurant. I'm like, I want to go get a sandwich there. But I doubt they make anything vegetarian. <laughs> Probably I hate not. when uh, What's-His-Face talks about fish. Greg talks about fish. It kills me. Like it's Seafood I, Seafood disgusts me for whatever reason. So just him talking about seafood all the time, I'm always like, oh, fuck. So that's, that's one of the parts of the show I hate. <laughs> But there's nothing, there's nothing else I can nitpick. She does the best interviews. She's amazing what she does. She is your new best friend. It's a comfortable shoe podcast. That's how Christopher Titus described Loveline. He said it's like a nice, comfortable shoe. You just put it on when he's like working on cars. And that uh, childish is to that extent. Sometimes Greg makes it not so comfortable when he's talking about certain things. But uh, those are the podcasts True. I go to for like, oh, I just need a minute to not want to die. Right. <laughs> Which is always nice. <laughs> yeah. 
wanting not to die. That is all we're doing right now, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, I mean like, especially now, yeah. But Al- Allison, just, yeah. she's very good at that. Like, the whole new best friend thing. She hates that it's Aryan boyfriend, but it's it, the title couldn't be more perfect. <laughs> yeah. So what is your podcast? And, um, I mean, plug everything you want before we wrap this up. Oh, I do a Geo podcast, which was formerly a one-on-one interview show where I, I take old Corolla stuff and then I'd interview a fan, a cast member, uh, his wife, wh- whomever him. So I'd, I'd interview – Allison was on the show once. It was a great episode. I would, I would do that kind of a format for like 300-plus episodes. And then uh, Classic Loveline started and Norm Pattis' uh, podcast one put me in charge of it, and I started doing that. And then this asshole on YouTube, Popular One, started posting all their files on YouTube, and they told me, hey, if you don't get this guy to stop, we're going to stop releasing the shows. We're done. And so I told the guy, hey, man, come on, just wait. Wait until they release all the episodes. Then do your YouTube channel with all the files. Just do anything. They have lawyers. Don't do this. He's like, fuck you. I can negotiate better than you. You, Who are you to be in charge of Loveline? So he got Classic Loveline shut down, and then he uh, now retitled his YouTube channel Classic Loveline. (laughs) So he stole my my entire uh, 20 years worth of work, and people go to that website thinking it's me. It's not. If you want to see Loveline on YouTube, the love between the two hosts, it's got a picture of me as Galactus. It's all purple. You can't miss it. Uh, I have videotapes of the security camera from the year 2000, which just happened to be the year that Adam had his dick examined for warts, uh, the security guard incident where the security guard was sleeping and Adam tried to sneak up on him commando style, uh, Adam lighting his farts, Adam farting Dr. Drew out of the studio so he has to broadcast on an upside-down trash can. All this stuff is on <laughs> video now in super high quality. Anderson gave me all the tapes he had access to. The day before this guy put up his YouTube channel and refused to put it down, I was supposed to go to Valencia or the day after that, I was supposed to go to Valencia and go with Anderson to this archive building that has all the tapes from Podcast One, Westwood, and all these companies, all these radio stations you've heard. They have all these reel-to-reel recordings on their side, stepped on, cassette tapes littering the floor. It's just basically they had to re- renovate for this courtside company and all these like spinoffs and mergers they've done. So they made offices for all these hacks and losers who no longer have jobs because they didn't need to be hired in the first place. And in doing so, they destroyed all their archives. So I have all the official tapes that exist that are known of, but we're missing a ton because of this asshole on YouTube. But if you go to YouTube, The Love Between the Two O's, you can see my restorative work where I don't chop out the music because I'm not trying to get ad revenue for a show I didn't create, host, transfer, or do anything with. I'm not a criminal. Uh, or you can go to geopodcast, geopodcast.com, and that is now just Classic Loveline. So it's just the episodes remastered in order. I'm uh, in April of 2001 right now. I just spent 20 hours with these uh, BDSM gals on this episode trying to restore it and complete it and i think i've done that so geo podcast for podcasting uh love between the two hosts on youtube that's the only thing you need to know about i'm also on patreon but go give your money to allison uh this is an allison show i will put all of the links in the the description and everybody can go and find all these things because that sounds amazing i grew up on loveline i need to go back and check all of this stuff out uh, do what you can and- uh, there's a there's a new there's a new campaign against loveline i don't know if this started because of drew or what but there's this like there's this podcast that's about like dismantling the patriarchy and they just did an episode on loveline but they didn't do an episode of loveline they took a chunk of an episode with stroke nine some band from like 2000 and it was where they're gambling on a collar, but they left out the part where they explain why they gamble is to show these inherent traits and repetition compulsions among p- victims of sexual, physical, emotional abuse in childhood. You know, alcoholic parents, they have such predictable outcomes. So they're, they're only trying to demonstrate how we're on a course 
that started so long ago. They're not trying to embarrass or humiliate people or make fun of them. It's 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 a, it's it's a it's a game only in the sense that it shows it's to teach you this repetition. And maybe it's in bad taste, whatever. But they didn't present it that way. They just presented it as Adam and Drew, these horrible misogynists making fun of a poor girl. And the other problem is in 2000 there were three serial female bogus callers. And one of them got busted on air, and they didn't call all the time, but they would call it these super serious problems. And the problem with their calls was they didn't actually have these problems, so Adam and Drew would give them great advice, and they go, but but what but but like I still like at the end they just want more, and it's like well yeah because you don't have this problem, so these calls would be super unsatisfying and like not good radio, because like if you're acting out like an improv scene or something, but you don't have it planned, it's not a comedy there's no real goal in place. And like the one who got busted, she said she did this for other people she imagined were suffering these things. But there is some sort of like attention-seeking element. So this call yeah, that they're that like, like debating on this pod... Yeah, well, you, know, you can get mean about it, but they're young women. They maybe weren't abused. Maybe they were. Maybe they have... People just have imagination. You know, whatever you want to put on it. Like, I'm coming from years of fans like, who are these C-words calling in the show? Rude. These dumb... Like, relax, guys. They called a show. They pranked it. They didn't follow the Geneva Convention of Bogosity where you admit you have a bogus call when they ask you. It sucks that they did that, but in doing that, I think they may have, like, I think this call they're doing on this podcast, Dr. Drew's wife wrote to me. She's like, can you find this episode? We need to find it to find the context. And I was like, oh, shit, it's already getting to Drew's wife that they're doing this. So it's, uh, I'm wow. just preparing for people now to re-examine Loveline as this horrible misogynistic tool as opposed to this show that saved all these millions of kids and was hosted by these two guys who aren't misogynistic in the least, but in, in, right. in hindsight, everybody's now able to reframe everything. It's 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 heartbreaking. We put twenty years into saving this noble show, and now people can just say it's this like smutty, mean, patriarchal, evil show. That is too bad to reframe it that way because I yeah because they they did do a lot of good and I loved listening listening to it. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I think it's the only feminist radio show that actually existed. I can't think of another one. An era of Tom Likas. If you're complaining about Loveline, you got a lot of problems, pal. Like it's oh my God. Like that's the only yeah. show that empowered women I know of. I don't know any other show that empowered young women to not be abuse victims or not do stuff they didn't want to do. Like it, it, even young men. I mean, I, I didn't. There's a whole bunch of things I didn't do because of that show, and I won't ever do them. Can you imagine Tom Likas being something like I can't even imagine his show being anything? How he wouldn't get away with the things that all he your, said. All the Loveline archives are on Tom Likas tapes. So the VHS tapes, they only kept them for Tom Likas. So the first four hours are Tom Likas. I have the wow. largest Tom Likas archive in the world, wow. but I don't want to digitize it because I don't care about. Like it's not even like I don't want to hide it. Like I feel like it should be digitized just for being preserved. You know, like for posterity, supposed to do that stuff. But it's a lot of work, so I don't want to spend the time to do it. But I feel like an asshole because I'm just letting his tapes rot, and I'm just transferring the Loveline portion off the end. So the first four hours are Tom, the last two are Loveline, and I have you know I have thousands of hours of that fat dude sitting in the studio with the lights out, eating his lean cuisines, talking to Mike <laughs> about how how he gets all the chicks and stuff. And like now yeah, what he's doing, his about- voice is completely shot from years of cigars and booze and yelling. Oh. And Brian Whitman does an awesome impression of him. He's doing on the Corolla show. But he's threatening to sue Brian Whitman, so Brian can't do it. But I had this great idea that Tom should pay Brian Whitman to host his show as him, and he can write it and Brian can host it because he sounds like Tom. Oh and he can actually make it a little funnier and throw some stuff in. Tom would never do that. So now he pays young men in their 20s uh, who are friends with that uh, former uh, assistant of Jack Silver I mentioned, who I know who's a podcaster. And they go over to Tom's yeah. house, who has a library, and they, they're convinced that Tom can quote line and verse any book in his library. You pick, you point a book, he'll tell you the first page, first paragraph from memory. 
Impossible. They, they wow. literally say this. It's true. Oh my God. So he has these young men who go there who think he's a god, and they show up at his house with his dwindling millions, and he just impresses these young men with his rusty voice, and his obesity, and his cigars, and his booze. <laughs> that's oh Tom Likas today. I, Isn't that sad? Yeah. Like, that's what he, that's what he turned into. That's, it is sad. Wow. I didn't even know he was still alive. Well, I, I think that's a good place to end it on Tom Likas. <laughs> <No>. mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what? Uh, it was super fun meeting you. I can't believe it's taken this long to talk with you. Anytime you want to come on and do a regular show and talk about Allison, it would be great. It's super awesome that you spent time with me today. It was a joy. I will do it anytime. Uh, when Kelly's on, she's the best. I'll come on anytime you guys want me. That would be super cool. So what? Uh, what are? where can we find you? There we go. Where can we find you? <laughs> Uh, geopodcast.com or superfangiovanni.com they go to the same place Giovanni Giorgio on Twitter PlayStation Network everywhere else just type G for a while you'll find me <laughs> and look for the very um, apparent purple logo that I, I'm like oh it's Geo <laughs> yep that's uh, Michael Naren drew me up as Galactus from Marvel Comics and then he also drew me up as Indiana Jones we merged the images and it's just me uh, archiving love line tapes it's, uh, it's basically a fan that's... art of what I do that's so amazing. That's like nice. super meta. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Have a good rest of your weekend. And BFFs, thank you and good night. See, it's only entertainment. A superficial episode as life continues to unfold. Only 